Are you a creative who just has so many ideas, it gets overwhelming? Or are you a creative who is finally ready to commercialize their genius and actually have a business that succeeds and works for them and aligns with what lights them up? Then this episode of the Untapped Podcast is totally for you, and I can't wait to dive in. Hi, I'm Natalie Sisson, an entrepreneur, best-selling author, speaker, host of this Untapped Podcast, and a lover of handstands and dogs. I've spent over a decade building successful businesses I love and teaching others to do the same. I want to help you tap into your unlimited potential and make the income and impact you desire simply by being you. In fact, I'm on a mission to help 1,000 women earn at least $10,000 a month and contribute at least 1% of their revenue to causes that they truly care about so that together we can create a ripple effect in this world. So if that sounds like you and you're on board to learn how to make the mindset shifts you need to have the business success you want and the lifestyle that you desire, then this is the podcast for you. So my guest today is also a dear friend. Zena Bruges has been an entrepreneur since 2002 when she actually started a small design company with a friend in New Zealand and soon realized it's not as easy as it looks. It was a fast learning curve and coming back to the UK where she's from, she ran her brother's successful interactive art and design studio as managing director. She was involved in the early days of Ad Agency 101 and took the managing director's role at Trend Forecasters, The Future Lab. Since 2016, she's been a creative business coach and consultant, using her experience, knowledge, and network of contacts to advise business founders, particularly in the creative and tech sectors, on all things business. Zena also mentors startups through the Friday Club and holds non-executive and advisory roles, and she's just a cool chick and very aligned with myself and our philosophies on how to advise and coach and have a business that is fun and profitable. And in this episode, we discuss a couple of awesome things that I think are relevant at any time throughout your business, whether you are in the creative sector, in the tech sector, or anything else. We talk about how to help creative people unlock the commercial potential in their business and how Xena does it. We also talk about her use of roadmaps to give people absolute clarity on what they should prioritize over the next 90 days. We talk about why clarity is so important if you want to know where you want to go next because you simply can't prioritize effectively if you don't have a clear idea of where you're aiming to be. And we talk about one of the biggest challenges that she sees with her clients, which is around an overwhelm of ideas and how to manage this and how to work through it and actually turn it into an advantage. So without further ado, let's dive into this episode and go for it. It is such a delight to have the wonderful Zena Bruges on the Untapped podcast. Welcome. Thank you very much. Delighted to be here. Yeah, actually, it's lovely when you get to interview a friend as well as a peer, because Zena and I met many moons ago in 2015. I think we worked out in Portugal when you came to one of my mastermind retreats, which was fantastic. We didn't know each other before that. You just waltzed off the plane straight into the dinner on the first night and We've become firm friends ever since, which was fantastic. We have indeed. Yeah. But first off, I would love to know how you tap into your potential and get paid to be you. (laughs) So I think for me, tapping into my potential is around the people that I help. And for me, that's creative people. And I have always worked on the commercial side of the creative industries. 
So I absolutely love, and my magic source is definitely helping creative people unlock their commercial possibilities. Because I've always worked with creatives, and that can be anyone from like jewelers to web designers to people who have creative tech ideas. And it's explaining the business side of a business to those people and helping them understand it. So things like finance and hiring the right people and doing the legal stuff and the procedures and the operations. And sometimes you see the creatives, they just kind of glaze over and they're like, I don't want to talk about that. And I don't want to think about that. But to have a creative business, you need to. And for me, being able to help those people just unlock that and show, demystify that, demystify it and show them that it's not actually as bad as they think it might be. And it can actually be fun. Yeah, that's what I love to do. And I get paid to share that knowledge, which I always think is a joy because I always thought it was it seems common sense to me and to some of the people I share it with. It it seems like quite mystifying. And then I find the things that they do completely magical, like people that are writing music for a living or performing or designing amazing things. I'm like, what you do is amazing and I couldn't do it. Mm. And uh, I think those coming together of those two things is great. That's so awesome. And you do that as a creative coach and consultant and advisor. And how long have you been yeah. doing this for? So I've been doing the consulting side since 2013, 2014. And before that, I was running creative businesses. So I really kind of learned my trade, as it were, on the job from setting up my first business back in 2001, doing marketing and graphic design with a friend. We basically decided that we could stop doing our jobs and earn enough money (laughs) just by working contracts. And we were kind of like, well, that sounds like a business. So we kind of went and did it. And we had to just, we didn't know anything. We didn't know anything about finances or hiring people or how to invoice clients or you know mm-hmm. and uh yeah we made it all up and and actually interestingly I was living in New Zealand at the time obviously where you're based now and I'm now in the UK and the government at the time had lots of fantastic courses on that were free you could learn about any aspect of business hmm. and you could go and learn about profit and loss And you could learn about balance sheets and you could learn about HR law. And it was fantastic. So I just went and hoovered up all these courses and at the same time taught myself how to build websites. And Hmm. we were off. Yeah, it was fantastic, but really well supported. And then when I came back to the UK, 2004, I um, I went into working in running creative agencies and worked Hmm. with my brother for seven years, running a global art business, which was incredible. And you just when you need to learn those things and when you're the only business person in the room and there's 26 creatives in the room and there's you and they're relying on you to kind of (laughs) make all the other things behind the scenes work so that they can do their magic yeah a real privileged position to be in it was a joy I love that I also love that you started your own business as a creative and just made it happen but hoovered up as you said you did have the nous to go well even though we're doing the graphic design I need to know or we need to know this so that's quite rare to recognize that rather than just I just want to be creative, (laughs) let somebody else figure that out. And then that you ran the creative agency with your brother, which would have been really cool to be that one person in the room with all these other creatives just wanting to create. And now that you're really (laughs) niched into people who are creatives. And as you said, that even extends, because I know you do a lot of work in the startup sector and tech sector, because in essence, they are creating often from scratch. It's a different kind of creativity, right? Yeah, very much so. Yeah. Been your very much for like so and I 20 think, years yeah <laughs> yeah I know 
yeah. go so that's and you're only 30 yes. so it's amazing no <laughs> <laughs> I think you're right it does drift into that so from the sort of creative industries that we think about like fashion design or music or into very engineering based tech because coders are very creative and they actually behave in a very similar way to creative minds very different from like the professional services legal or accounting of them which I've, I've also kind of worked with those people to a certain degree and I'm often the conduit between the two you know mm-hmm. the kind of that professional corporate world and the creatives and the so startup world the the so when you yes. say unlocking the commercial aspect mm. of being creative do you want to like share a little bit more of what that means to you yeah so I think it's helping people identify what it is they're actually selling, what Mm. their offer is, what is it that they are bringing and what do they have that's of value to people that they want. And then packaging that in a way that is appealing to people, finding the right audience for it, and then setting up that, the dialogue that will work around that. Mm. I think lots of creatives have a joyful challenge of just being overwhelmed with ideas and actually helping people identify what all the capturing all these ideas that they have and figuring out which ones to prioritize not even that you need to like necessarily dismiss some of them but you do need to prioritize and bring some of them to the fore because it's not possible to consistently work across multiple ideas that are all taking your bandwidth and energy and create something successful in terms of a commercial reality I think you can definitely create a portfolio of things which I know is something that you talk about a lot but you need to be focused on one thing at a time and no matter how many I think we're all aware now that multitasking isn't really a thing and you need to be moving from one thing to another not trying to do multiple things at the same time and I think so one of the things I do with my clients is create roadmaps and we work on them together and it's very much a joint endeavor to kind of like I help them draw the things out of their brain and get it down onto either Miro boards or post-it notes or pieces of paper or whatever it might happen to be, whatever works best, and help them then organise which are the most significant things for them at that moment in their life. And it will change. These things change too over time. And you need to, I know, again, that's another thing that you focus on with your life pilot. I think it's, you need to recognise that you need to keep checking in with Mm. yourself. And not just consistently keep going for a goal that you decided that you had 10 years ago. Yeah, exactly. Just make sure that that's still relevant, refocus, and then get going again. And let's talk more about roadmaps because I know they're your jam. And I think when we were discussing this, when we were talking about coming on board the 10K Club as a resident coach, which you now are, which is so exciting, that we kind of said it was not dissimilar to sort of life canvas, which is that bigger three to five year picture of where you want to be, but in the present tense and a little bit of life pilot, and probably a little bit of lean business canvas, depending. So do you want to talk about why you love roadmaps and what the roadmap that you take people through is about? You know, you don't have to give it all away, but just like what sort of what are the stages that people need to think about? Because I think as entrepreneurs, and even if you're starting out in business, or even if you're five or 10 years in, most people haven't ever really built a roadmap or a business plan. <laughs> They've kind of, you know, a little bit like you said, we started this graphic design and website company and we just, how do you even invoice people? Like, what are the packages? So I love that you've come that far and learned, okay, going back, I would have liked to have had a roadmap to know what the next turn in the corner was or where I needed to stop, where I needed to give way and where, yeah. So do you just want to talk us through the roadmap? Yeah, absolutely. So I think back in the 
10 or 15 years ago, the only reason to have a business plan really was to get money out of the bank. Mm -hmm. Like it was basically you wrote a business plan when you needed to convince somebody else to back your business. That was kind of how it went. And you wrote something down on some A4 paper or possibly a PowerPoint. And then as soon as it had served its purpose, you put it in a drawer and then it disappeared. And then and you never actually... Yeah, it was a waste of time and energy. And well, it wasn't because hopefully it would get you the outcome that you wanted financially in the investment or a loan from the bank. But what people really need is something that's actually shorter term and more actionable. So a 20 page business plan around your hopes and aspirations or something more detailed on a spreadsheet where you've made up the numbers is not very actionable. So what I like to do with people is think about the big vision in that sort of three-year, what could this possibly be? Where could this possibly go? What do you see this business or your life, depending on how we're sort of framing it? Where do you see yourself? What do you see yourself running? How does it feel? Are you one person? Is it a 10-person business? What sorts of people are you serving? What sorts of offers are you offering? How are you connecting with the world? Is it all online? Is some of it in real life? Which geographies are you in? You know, all these things that you can fill in all the colors of like, but we're not talking precise. We're not talking, I want to make 500 pounds or euros or dollars on this product in this time frame. That's not what it's about. It's about a feeling and it's about a direction. And that's like three years away. And then we look really closely at where you are now. So across different sectors of your business, you'd be looking at where are you now financially, Where are you now with how you spend your time? Where are you now with the people and team that you have around you supporting you? Where are you now with your operations? Where are you now with your offer and product? What does that look like? And we have to be able to catch that. And you have to know, and I don't know why I'm still surprised because I've been doing this for a long time now, but I'm still surprised by the fact that that people don't know. Mm. People don't know how much money they made in the last year or the last month. They don't really know what contracts they have with the people that they work with in their team. And they've kind of, well, we sort of agreed this. And then I'm like, wow, do you have it written down? And went, no. And for no, I mean, and I was similar in the early days of my career. You just, things just happen and organically grow and it feels good and you keep going. But actually, if you give yourself a little more structure and a bit more of a framework, it gives you the confidence and it makes you feel secure and it helps you go for bigger things which I think is partly like what people get when they come out of having a roadmap is you kind of, so so I'll come back to that in a minute. (laughs) Coming back to, you look at where you are now and you get like a detailed picture of what that is like. And also the other thing that people aren't really aware of is how they're spending their time. Hmm. So how much time are they spending writing emails in a day? How much time are they spending delegating things to their team? How much time are they actually spending on clients? How much time are they spending doing the work if that's part of what they need to be doing? So it's kind of all this that makes up the picture. And then what should that be like? But not in three years time. It's like in three months time. What is the incremental change we can make in the next three months from, say, turning over, I don't know, $7,500 dollars a month to ten thousand dollars a month mm-hmm. how are we going to try how are we going to get there what are the steps that we could possibly take and then I brainstorm with them what ideas that they have and everyone's always got ideas the interesting thing is everything that people need to have a successful business is already inside them they just need it a little bit unpackaged and then like formatted in a slightly different way to help them actually be able to action it mm-hmm. and just take the steps to get to the next stage 
And as I was saying before, hopefully on when you get to the other side and you have this roadmap, and it's literally just like a couple of pages of like actions that they need to take. I mean, I don't mean what you know, but it's like you need to go from here to here, and the things that we've discussed to do that are these things. You need to go from here to here, and the things that we've discussed are these things. But it just gives people a real sense of clarity. Mm-hmm. And then you get this calm, and then you get an energy to be able to get on and to not have to make a decision every morning when you sit down to do your work what am I going to prioritize today you know what you're prioritizing and you can just look at your task list and you can go which of those aligns with my priorities and then off you go and it's much easier beautiful I feel like my one-page biz plan and your roadmap should have a baby and (laughs) and people would be off and running even more because that sounds fantastic I mean I I remember that We should. I remember back when I co-founded the tech company in Vancouver in 2008, and we did the same thing. You know, we wrote this 30-page live active business plan purely to get financial backing from investors and partly for the bank and also partly to clarify what the heck were we building when we didn't know it all. But it really felt like licking your finger pie in the sky, which way's the wind blowing, what should we put in for the numbers, revenue and what's going to Yeah, be? and what do they want to see, right? It's like yeah. giving them what they want to see. So you're not designing something that works for you. You're designing something that you think, well, what do these people want to hear from me exactly. that is ambitious enough that they think it's worth investing in, but not so ambitious that they don't believe me. Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. you know, You're tempering yourself constantly to other people's expectations, which is not helpful. No, and while I do think it gave us good clarity on what is our marketing plan on the operations and all those things. And we did try to keep it as a living, breathing document. It was also just 30 pages. Like I barely ever opened it up and cut to section seven on marketing because I was too busy trying to run this business on the smell of an oily rag with no budget. And my business partner was trying to hire in some coders and developers and it was just nuts. So I really just thought later, I was like, man, we invested so much time in it. And I really think we could have done with something that was five pages as you said, so, or, you know, less. So that is awesome. Roadmap's really, really helpful. And I feel like any business can have that at any time, kind of like the 90-day sprint plan. You know, what is it that is actually a priority over the next 90 days based off all these things that we've said we really want for this business to run in a way that is aligned with our life and our values, which is awesome. So that must be incredibly helpful for your clients and they must just feel that massive sense of relief after it. And yet, yeah, in many ways, we're so aligned because that's the same sort of thing with the 10X Foundations goes through all those things in more detail. So hence why we're working together, which is great. Indeed, we're very aligned. Yeah. <laughs> so we were talking before we hit record about, like, what do you think is the biggest struggle that entrepreneurs have that you see? And you mentioned it was around clarity and that that is a huge part of what you do in your work with clients. So mm. where do you want to go next? And that we talked about you can't prioritize effectively if you don't have a clear idea of where the heck you're going. And so the roadmap is a big part of that, right? But I don't know, let's discuss that. Like, why do you think it is so hard for people to get clear? I think particularly with the people that I work with, actually people in general though, they have so many ideas and people have that sort of a little bit of FOMO of like, uh, well, if I pick this one and then I go with that one and then if I don't do that one, And even if they have one business idea, so say build a travel website for the area that they live in in the world, then they still might not know what to focus on first in terms of, okay, so shall I invest in the website first or shall I invest in the branding or shall I hire someone to help me? And it can be an overwhelming amount of choices to make. 
And unless you've given yourself some sort of framework to make those choices, your brain is having to make mm. a lot of choices all the time. And making choices is really tiring for the brain. So you want to try and narrow it down, which is why people do things like wear uniforms or have routines, because it means you have less decisions to make in a day. And if you can lessen the amount of decisions, you've got more time to have the fun, creative ideas. Your brain has more space to play with stuff, which is where all the good stuff happens. Yeah. And people are worried about yeah, making the wrong choice. It's like having faith in yourself to make the right choice, to follow your intuition and know that what you're doing is the right thing. And sometimes you just need to bounce it off somebody else. And it's very hard when you've been sitting there in your own head, particularly as we have been over the last year, even more isolated than normal as, as entrepreneurs. I think, uh, yeah, you can have a conversation with yourself many times and come up with lots of different answers. And actually one conversation with a good friend or a coach or mm. someone that can help you structure your thoughts almost mm. can be really valuable to just get you clear on your own ideas. As I say, everyone has this in them already Mm. it's in you it's just a question of how do we get it out in the best way and how do we action it in the best way yeah I love that and it's funny I'm just going to reach over I know this is an audio podcast but if people could see it I got sent this book that says Natalie's million dollar ideas and it's I really love that idea of a book that when you have a great idea or you think it's a great idea or something pops into your head but you know it's going to be massively distractive in terms of what you're doing is to write it in a notebook like that was perfect right but write it in a notebook and then come back to it after three days or even a week and go hmm, does this still sound like the best thing since sliced bread or was that just a moment of craziness do you do a similar process with your super creatives who have tons of ideas yeah definitely so I say to them if an idea keeps coming back around to you definitely write it down capture stuff That's one of the things I'm always saying to people. Don't try and hold it in your head. Again, I'm all for giving your brain as much space as possible to be creative and do its thing. And the more you write down, Einstein famously didn't remember things. He didn't remember phone numbers. He wrote them all down because it was a waste of brain space, wet brain capacity. So, So, yeah, write it down. Then you don't have to think about it. But an idea that you are invested in and that your intuition is pushing you towards will keep popping up. Mm. And you will keep coming back and you will look at it from different perspectives. And if after a week or 10 days, the idea still looks good Mm. and it feels good and then it's worth further investigation. And I go for that too. I go for that intuition of like, does it feel good? Does it sort of on the surface look like a good idea? And then do the analytical bit. Are the numbers there? Is the market there? Is the audience who I think they are? Am I in a position to address that need? You know, all those things, which Mm. good commercial common sense. Yeah, Uh, but so many people don't do. They're just like, oh, it sounds like so much fun. I mean, I even used to love just Chris Gillibo's simple idea decision matrix, which he's not the only person who invented it, but just a really simple spreadsheet. And you would literally put in your ideas. So maybe there were four and then you'd have these different tabs that were different columns that were like, what's the amount of effort to pull this off? What's the benefit of it in terms of to you and to your audience? The ROI, so what are you going to make out of this? And how quickly can it kind of get up and going? Which I, something to that effect, I'll find it, we'll link to it in the show yeah. notes. But I really liked it because it was just kind of like, okay, on a scale of one to 10 effort, return on investment, ability to bring this to market pretty quickly and how it sort of enjoyment scale I think was in there as well which is yeah 
really cool and to I think look at. yeah and I think that's really important to make sure that when you are comparing things one of the things I'm always talking to my clients about is it should not always just be about the financial bottom line mm-hmm. and in fact never make a decision purely based on that yeah. because you're not going to end up being fulfilled in the work that you're doing so it needs to be that balance so yeah does it bring you joy is it in your sweet spot is like is it going to light you up and that should in my mind on that matrix that decision making matrix which is so useful on so many things hiring people making a decision around um, which products to launch next make sure that you have somewhere is this going to be fun yeah is this going to be an enjoyable thing to do particularly I mean we you know we're in privileged position as entrepreneurs and people that running our own businesses we luckily get to make those choices yeah so we may as well <laughs> yeah no I love that and for me this year's mantra has been all about ease and grace and flow and that's been mm. the same for my team and right when we ran the summit the monetize you summit in May I just said I just want it to be fun because we'd had a big launch before it which was quite full-on for the team like me dragging them through this launch with all the moving parts and even though it was successful it was quite stressful and I was like right for the summit I just want it to be fun because one I want my team to recover and two I want them to to get on well and, and have a blast with this and to show them what's possible and it was and it was just so much fun and we got amazing results and it was profitable and it was awesome and they were so jazzed after it. And I was like, this is what business should be about. You know, like there were yeah. there were some tech glitches and things, but nothing that threw yeah. us. And it was just awesome. And I was like, oh, more of that, please. Yeah, and it's because yeah. I made a positive intention from the get-go that I wanted it to be fun, enjoyable, ease, grace, and flow, and profitable. Yeah, I really love that you've pointed that out because some people get the business might start out that way, but it certainly isn't that way. And then they're stuck in it. And they don't know how to get out. And that's when they start looking at other ideas rather than fixing the one they're in to bring it back to be more aligned or to release it, let it go, sell it, whatever it may be. Yeah. So I really love that, that aspect of that. Yeah. And I think people, particularly when it comes to their working life, their career or their work portfolio or whatever they're describing, the work that they do in the world, people are often advised very much on the financial side of things. And I've heard of creatives being advised to do things like stop teaching because it's not bringing enough money or stop working on things which are royalty based because the return isn't quick enough. And I'm like, doesn't teaching really bring you joy? And doesn't it really light up your brain with new ideas? And in fact, don't you recruit some of your new talent through the people that you meet in your teaching? I'm like, and somebody's advised you to give it up because it's only paid on a minimum salary or whatever, you know, and it's not a full part. It's just a part of what they do. And I'm like, I understand the reason, but it's not holistic. It's not looking at the whole picture. And it's certainly not considering how that individual is wanting to engage with the world, with their working life. So I think it's yeah, it's important to consider a more holistic yeah. view of people's working lives, particularly now. Yeah. And we have more of the freedom. People are more aware that work and life and things sort of meshes together. Yeah. I'm so glad you said that because... I believe it's in a podcast coming up and that's because at the time of recording this, I've batched so many. I'm actually just talking about advice that you sometimes get from so-called experts or business coaches. I'm not talking about Zena and I here, where (laughs) they don't even take that into account and they don't ask you what lights you up and they don't ask you why you started it in the first place. And they just go on in there and they go for the, you know, revenue and margins. And I have a little rant in this podcast because it happened to one of my clients (laughs) And I was like, did this person, this male, 
who didn't know anything about your business even ask you what you love about it and what you wanted it to be because she wasn't looking for a super profitable business. Like, yeah, she wanted it to be profitable, but it wasn't her main driver. And they just totally overlooked that and thought that they'd butted in with some advice and it just pissed me off something chronic. And also didn't have experience in that realm. Like not no experience, but didn't have the experience in the realm of what she was doing and was still trying to advise her on what she should do. So yeah, I have a whole chapter in my book about that. <laughs> so you know, princess, it's like only truly listen to people who have achieved what you want or have had experience in what you're doing and who are generous with their information and advice and can definitely speak to it because they've had real experience and they can share the pros and cons and really have a good honest chat with you about it rather than listening yeah. to people who just offer up their opinion unwarranted yeah. and unsolicited. Yeah, I'm sure that happens a lot with creatives. Either creatives have that mindset of, I love doing this, but I'll never be rich, which is such a myth. And or I never want to lose the love and joy for it. And so sometimes I'm sure you must have pushback from them on commercializing because they don't want to lose mm -hmm. the spontaneity and things. How do you sort of deal with people who are really fearful of that? And, you know, I think that's not just in the creative industry, that's in general, but how do you talk them through that you can can have your cake and eat it too <laughs> if you play your cards? Yeah, I think that's very interesting because obviously that plays completely into the mindset mm. piece and people having preconceptions and assumptions around what is and what isn't. And I find my clients tend to be slightly older so my audience is more kind of 30 to 45. But I do a lot of work with startups and with mentoring as well, which I do pro bono work. And they tend to be a younger audience. And they definitely have less of a problem with it mm. than the older audience. Like, they are much more, well, let's do it and let's make money. It's kind of, it's less of that they don't have the same assumptions and expectations as a slightly older generation. So there's a slightly, from a start, there's a slight generational kind of gap going on but in those that are struggling to accept that they could be financially successful doing something they love yeah I point them in the direction of people that can help with the mindset piece I do it naturally through my coaching but if it's really a rewiring of that kind of there are coaches that can really help reframe that but sometimes it's just a case of watching a couple of really good pieces of advice around it or just even realizing it because I know it's something that you've talked about in the 10k club the money mindset and shifting that around and sometimes people just aren't even aware that they're doing it to themselves mm. so yeah, yeah just trying to bust those myths I think just trying to yeah. bust through them and sometimes that's enough for people to go oh I could do this oh and I can charge that oh my goodness I've never <laughs> I hadn't even realized and that sometimes it's enough and they go off and do it and they're really happy and yeah. others really struggle with it. They're like, oh, no, that's not me. And sometimes they're very happy to be in that space and pushing them is not helpful. Hmm. So that's when, as I think, as a coach and as a advisor, you've got to be ready to just let them have their space. And as you said, be asking the question about what does success look like for you? If they're a band, say, and they're making money touring and they're, they're getting to perform their music every night to an appreciative audience, they're making enough to feed their families, and but they're not touring the world on private jets and they're not you know they are happy doing what they're doing yeah. and they will tell you that they're happy and they don't want to necessarily be in this different space and they still have time for their families and they can travel with them or whatever the thing is that's success for that individual it's like great you do that yeah yeah <laughs> you do that absolutely so be happy doing that 
It reminds me, I saw a chart the other day that somebody shared and it that has actually basically proven that when you start out, you're just enjoying teaching what you know. And a lot of us start a business, we're quite successful in one area. And then we go ahead and teach people what we know from a very much a beginner's mindset, a leading learner, which I talk about a lot. And so you, you know, you're not the expert in it, but you know enough that you can mm. help. And then it was basically the more you know about your area of expertise, the more you realize you still need to know. And that's where I think people start to get in their own brain. So it was this chart of like, yeah. oh, I've gotten quite good. And oh my gosh, holy crap, there's all this other stuff I don't know yet. And that's when you start to almost cripple yourself by going, but I need to become certified in this or an expert in this before I can do more of this and charge enough and stuff. Whereas when you start out, like a lot of those millennials, they're just like, let's see if we can make money and have fun. You've got so little restriction in front of you. It's when your mindset does get in there, all these thoughts that complicate stuff. It's incredible. And not dissimilar at the time of this recording going into pregnancy. The same happens with labor. I don't know if you knew this. I find this fascinating. But if a mother is in a coma, she will still be able to give birth naturally, completely. The body will just know. The baby will instinctively start the process. And the baby even will be able to come out and it actually crawls up and can breastfeed. All of this can happen while the mother is is in a coma and can probably survive for about two or three days. I find that incredible. And the thing that gets in talking to midwives is she's like, the thing that gets in our way during labor is us and our overthinking and our fear and our irrationalities, which you don't have when you're in a coma, obviously. You're You're just letting the body do its thing. I think entrepreneurship is often like that. Like if we just let our instincts and gut guide us and we didn't try and overthink all the logistics and practicalities, which are important, but if we really just went with our gut of what this means to us and what we want to achieve, how much more successful would we be? Indeed. Wise words. Thanks. (laughs) Wise words from mother-to-be. Yeah. By the time this podcast you'll be a mother (laughs) I know yeah and that'll be a whole other challenge that I don't get to overthink I just get to figure it out as I go millions have done before this has been such a fun conversation I know we could talk for a heap longer but I think we've covered off on a lot that people can hopefully really just do some retrospective thinking about and maybe a little bit of reflection about where you're at and do you need a really clear roadmap have you got too many ideas coming at you are you essentially becoming a bit of an imposter for your own success and what does success look like to you and what does a great business look like to you so Zena where can people find out more about you maybe ask you some of these questions learn more about what you do and thank you for being on this podcast you are very welcome you can find me at thebusinessside.co I'm sure that'll pop that in the show notes notes. and uh, yeah come say hello yeah, that'd be lovely. And of course, if you are thinking of joining the Beautiful 10K Club, you get Zena as one of the amazing resident coaches. I only have two. I'm very, very picky. And yeah, she'll be in there advising all the queens, which is so exciting for me. She's already doing it. And I just think it's so great to have different perspectives and business backgrounds in there. So thank you as well. It's a privilege to have you. It's fantastic to be there. It's a lot of fun. So I really hope that you enjoyed the discussion with Zena. She is an awesome lady, and as she mentioned, you can find her over at thebusinessside.co. Also, if you're interested about the one-page business plan that I mentioned throughout, I would definitely reach out to her, find out more about her roadmap and coaching, and of course, if you're in the 10K Club, you are lucky enough to have her as a resident coach while I'm on maternity leave and potentially even beyond, just because I think we are so aligned in our thinking, but we have different skill sets and perspectives 
which is always healthy when you're looking for coaches. And finally, if you are interested in the one-page biz plan template that I have for free on my site, head across to nataliesisson.com forward slash one page plan, and you will find that there, which will also be immensely helpful for you. In the meantime, tap into your potential, have an amazing week, and continue to figure out how to get paid to be you and live a life that you love.